1: Welcome
2: to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg, editor of the Herald Times. And today I'm sitting across from five young people who just graduated from high school. And we're going to have a conversation about uh, what they're going to do next and a little bit about what their life's been like for uh, the last few years. Mary Catherine can't be with us today. She had a, quite an interesting evening with her son, Dylan, who just had tonsillitis. So uh, I'm doing this by myself with the, these five folks, but they're going to be doing most of the talking. Uh, in the studio are Stephen Zurfus from Bloomington High School North. Caitlin Adams from Bloomington High School South, Caleb Goss from Edgewood High School, Rachel Faulkner from Lighthouse Christian, and Keeler Gilbert from Eastern Green. If you have questions or comments, please phone us at 855-0811 or 1-877-285-9348. And you can join us on our website, WFIU.org slash Noon Edition. Thanks for being in here. I really appreciate you all coming in. We've uh, we've had this show several times. It's really one of Mary Catherine and my favorite shows to do because we get to talk to a lot of bright young people. Um, and I'm sorry that she can't be with uh, with us today, but uh, I'll try to do my best to, to, to carry on without her. Um, you know, we we talk about we've, there's so many different topics that we can we can hit. But I think I, I want to give you the opportunity to introduce yourselves a little better than I just did. I'll, we'll start uh, with Keeler, and you can talk a little bit about uh you know who you are and what you're doing next
1: yeah sure um well my name's keeler gilbert from eastern green like you said um i uh over the summer i'm a swimmer so i'm going to be doing that a lot um and next year i'll be going to yale so um i'm really into mathematics and i'm i'm not really sure what to expect next but i'm excited so mm-hmm.
3: yeah oh, okay Stephen. Well, I'm Stephen Zervis. I'm, uh, I just graduated from Bloomington High School North, and I'm uh, going to go Notre Dame, and I'm looking to either me- me- major in mechanical engineering or business. Mm-hmm. All right. Katie?
4: Um, my name's Caitlin Adams, but I go by Katie, and I am um, a reg- recent graduate of Bloomington High School South, and um, I'll be headed to DePaul University next year in Greencastle. And um, I'm really excited about that, but I really have no idea exactly what I'll be doing. Um, but my interests lie in English and Latin and um, political science and very varied interests. So we'll see what happens. So,
2: <laughs> Okay. Rachel?
5: Um, I'm Rachel Faulkner. I just graduated from Lighthouse Christian Academy, and um, I will be going to Abilene Christian University in Texas. Um, to be a musical theater major, uh, I do musical theater like every summer, so I'm really excited about what the future holds for me. All
6: right. And Caleb? I'm Caleb Goss, and I just graduated from Edgewood. And um, next year I'll be attending Purdue uh, and hopefully get a major in mechanical engineering or applied physics. So.
2: All right. This could be a, a first. No IU people in the room.
3: <laughs> wow. It's pretty no amazing.
2: Idea. All right. So <laughs> what went into your college choices? I mean, is it, was it specifically what you want to study, where you wanted to live?
3: Wants to go first? i I'll tell you. All right, Steve. Yeah, the college process was a mess, just <laughs> flat out. It was ridiculous. I, um, I started off with like a list of twenty-four schools that I got online and that I decided kind of fit, uh, kind of programs I wanted, and I didn't want to go to, uh, too far away in some situations, and I wanted to go to certain parts of the country. And I, um, over time, I narrowed it down. And what it came down to is, I, I felt looking into both engineering and business, there's there were a lot of Colleges out there that fit those programs, but there weren't very many colleges out there that had the kind of the people and the atmosphere I was looking for. Mm -hmm. So that for me, that became the biggest part of the college process. I ended up, uh, I I, like I said, I ended up at Notre Dame, but there were um, a bunch of different schools that I looked at, and it it really came down to a mix between what what people felt was a priority. I mean, education is first, but even before the education, I feel it's really important to have. People first, and so mm-hmm. the the idea of working together and a lot of community service mm-hmm. is what went into my college college process. Mm-hmm.
2: Rachel, was that you that said uh, agreed? I agree. Right.
5: <laughs> <laughs> um, when I was looking for colleges, I had a, a basically a guidance counselor in Joy Chayton, and she was really helpful to me. She here in Bloomington. Um, she prepped me and she had me make a list of colleges. And basically uh, it was high education but also who specialized in my field. Like I really was looking for a top-notch excellence in musical theater and I found it in Abilene. So mm-hmm. um, I was really happy about that. And it was just a mess. I mean you think applying to like three colleges is crazy? Uh, Twelve. Like uh-huh. yeah. <laughs> it, yeah. was, it was a little much. And auditioning is just crazy. So mm-hmm.
2: that K- was Katie, you're, shooting, you're nodding your head. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
4: I mean, going into the college like selection, I w- the, really the only thing I knew was the kind of school I wanted to look at. I knew I was looking at small liberal arts colleges, um, but that, I mean, it doesn't narrow it down as much as you think it would. Um, and so I ended up down to two schools, uh, which were very, very different. I had Reed College in Portland, Oregon, and then DePauw, which is an hour away. So, And they're very, very different schools, but, I mean— still qualify small liberal arts college so um and i mean i'm very so i I knew what i wanted and so it was easy for me to to kind of narrow things down but once it was down to those two it was very very tough because in like the current economy and everything of course it came down to the money Mm -hmm. and but DePa really has gifted like been very generous and um it's just been very clear that that that's where I'm supposed to be, and they've really been generous. Well,
2: so. good news for us is that uh, Greencastle uh, has this program on every Friday, so you can listen to us when you're mm-hmm. over there. That would be <laughs> great. That would be great. Uh, Keeler, are you the first Eastern student who's gone to Yale?
1: Um, yeah, actually, yeah. I don't think uh, any other Eastern and Green students have been to Ivy Leagues, but I remember a couple years ago a kid did go to um, UCLA mm-hmm. and uh, – he was he was a very very strange guy, but <laughs> he was a really really fun guy to talk to. But um, yeah, and I mean it was a it was a difficult decision, and it was definitely difficult um, going through the college process. But um, there were and like everybody said, there are a lot of colleges, and when you're trying to apply to 12 colleges, um, it it can get really messy. Um, luckily, I didn't I didn't have that problem. Um, I applied early decision, and so um, I got my acceptance in the middle of december and it was really nice because i could just drop all the applications i was filling out and celebrate christmas without paperwork and mm-hmm. it was it was really nice <laughs> but caleb what would your decision come down to
6: um for me it was really between rose holman and purdue from the start i uh, i wanted to get out of home but be close enough that i could come back a couple hours and get if i forgot something <laughs> so um uh it was between purdue and uh, for me, it was really which college pursued me and um, showed an interest in that they wanted me to come there. And for Purdue, it was I was getting emails every day, something in the mail every day, showing saying we're excited for you to come. Uh, they, I got an, a letter that wasn't an acceptance letter, but a letter saying that you probably be accepted, um, and that was before the, even the early acceptance thing. So that was that was cool to get that and show that they had an interest in me, mm-hmm. and it pretty much just cemented my decision there. So.
2: Mm-hmm. Now, I, I know uh, – I think Stephen mentioned community service and I wanted to ask about that. You know, all uh, five of you were named to the HT uh, Scholastic Stars, our first year of doing that and I appreciate the fact that you all applied and, and we're very proud to have all of you on that team. But one, things that, one of the things that struck me in looking through all the applications of all the 67 students who applied was how much service – uh, service work that everybody who applied had done. And some, of course, had done a lot more than others. And, and I, I, I would like for you to talk a little bit about, about your passions in terms of community service. I mean, what is it that really makes you uh, want to do it? And
1: what, what are the areas that you like to work in? Who wants to go first? Keeler? Sure. I'll go first. Um, I'm a member of the National Honor Society at my school. Mm-hmm. And um, We've done a lot of different things with that organization. Um, we've done bell ringing, which is one of my favorite activities. I don't know. There's just something <laughs> really, I don't know, childish about it that really brings it back back to my childhood. I don't know. I just think it's fun because uh, you always see them out in front of, like, Walmart or something. And then now you're doing it and you get to dress up. It's, it's really fun. Um, and then uh, we helped out in Thanksgiving with the uh, Monroe County uh, Food Bank. Uh, our food drive, and uh, we gave turkeys away for Thanksgiving. And it, it was just, I mean, it's definitely really rewarding, um, but it's also really fun just to go out with some of your friends and do this, do this stuff, and um, there's, I mean, there's rewarding, and then there's there's just this friendship, and I, I don't know. I really, really liked it. It's a social atmosphere that I really enjoyed.
2: Yeah, I mean, you talk about, uh, you know, the, the, your peer group doing it. Do you find that, that there are a lot of kids at Eastern who are really eager to get out and help people?
1: Um, yeah, there are. Um, actually, I remember uh, one of my friends way, way back in like fifth grade. Um, we ter- decided to do um, it was a canned food drive, and I think we ended up getting like, it was it was in the thousands. We had the room was full of cans, and everybody just I don't know if it was so much giving back as it was just a competition between the classrooms. But mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, it's there's a definite a lot of camaraderie with. Yeah, that activity. Now, Stephen, I know you've been involved in a lot of things.
3: Yeah, um, just community service in a lot of ways has become a pretty big activity for me, uh, more recently than it has anything else. Um, at this point, I'm, I almost think of my community service activities as a commitment, and on the same level as my as my academics or my sports teams. And it it's kind of it's kind of a an interesting story how it came to be like that. Um, for my as long as I can remember, my mom has always said, uh, "Why do you help? Because you can." And um, but it wasn't until I just until I got older that I was able to kind of take a look at that and realize what exactly that means and and make that to kind of motivate me to go out and find community service activities. But the one thing that I found in the last couple years that's really interesting is or that's really rewarding to me is that no matter how much effort you put into community service no matter how much time no matter how much effort you always get more in return mm-hmm. and i think i'm so i began to realize that and a lot of my peers began to realize that um in the last couple of years i did i put on the carlos cup i had a, a family friend of mine an eighth grader who was diagnosed with osteosarcoma and so my friend my family and i put on a uh an indoor soccer tournament and we uh it was won't get into the whole story, but we ended up raising over $4,000 and it made the paper and a ton of friends, over 300 people showed up. It was it was pretty cool. And then mm-hmm. I've, I've been a part of uh, Habitat for Humanity. I'm the co-president this year at North. And so I'm with 70 students, 70 friends, and we go out and build houses every weekend. Mm-hmm. Every weekend? Uh, not every not weekend. Every weekend. <laughs> a lot of weekends. <laughs> we, uh, together, we get out almost every weekend. Yeah. But I only get the shift yeah. every so often.
2: Right. Okay. Katie, what's what's your main passion when it comes to service?
4: Um. Well... I- Mostly my service, um, I find it through my youth group at uh, my church, which is Clear Creek Christian. And um, I find that to be really rewarding. I mean, and we just do little things. And I think that's something that um, when you're talking about the rewards, you know, you don't have to save the world. And I think that our generation has realized that, that, you know, like we are passionate about the world issues, the big issues. But I also think that we understand that you can just, you know, you can help a neighbor. You can mow a lawn. You can rake leaves. You can... um, Paint house, build a house, you know it's not it doesn't have to be something huge, and um that's what I've found is that it's just really rewarding just to do the little things and it brings people together. That's the thing that I've also found about my community sort because of, our our youth group really we find that community when we're working together mm-hmm. and um, not just hanging out. It's when we're working for other people, that's when we're closest. Mm-hmm. So um, that's the best thing for me that I found yeah, about yeah, it.
1: Absolutely,
2: yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to get an answer from the other two, but I want to remind our listeners that we're talking – I'm talking today with uh, five uh, people who have just graduated from high school and are heading off to Yale, Notre Dame, DePaul, Abilene Christian, and Purdue – here in the next uh, couple of months. So if you want to talk to them too and talk, find out what uh, they're thinking as they uh, end one part of their lives and head off to another, you can call us at 855 811 285 9348 And our website is wfiu.org slash noon edition. Rachel?
5: Um, my passion for serving um, has been really developed through my, my school and through my church. Um, my church actually helped me with my my uh, career passion, which is uh, the musical theater and the arts. Uh, we put on free—I sh- joined a group, a drama arts group, that put on free shows like In the Park and for Boys and Girls Club. And we just exposed them to the arts because being my passion, I feel like people should get to see those kinds of things, even if they don't have the money to go see it. Um, so that's my church. And I, there's a lot of other things you can do with church, obviously. But, um, and then my school, um, Lighthouse Christian Academy, they're really passionate about service. Uh, we take a retreat in the fall and we go and serve. And it's like getting to know each other. It's like building friendships at the beginning of the year so that you all know each other. But then also, it's about serving your community and giving back before we even start. And at the end, on our field day, we all went and cleaned up Clear Creek Park. So mm-hmm. it was really... And everyone's pretty much happy to do it. So...
6: <laughs> Caleb? Uh, I mean, I'm the same with these guys. Uh, we've done canned food drives in my school, National Honor Society, um, church activities. But... For me, the uh, most important thing about community service and where I like to uh, um, put my talents in is um, being a role model to younger kids. Um, growing up, something that inspired me to do well in school and be in sports was watching people live in my na- like older people live in my neighborhood, live in the school, who um, I wanted to be like them. And I've I've just tried to be like that uh, for younger kids. So I uh, I volunteer at the Wonder Lab, um, uh, just helping kids around the museum fixing broken exhibits. so so forth Mm -hmm. but um, I also I cadet teach for my mom Uh, she's a first and second grade teacher at the Edward Primary School and so uh, every day I go over there uh, for a third period and I help out with her students and just just try to be a big brother to them so that's
2: so so what's your favorite exhibit at Wonder Lab I
6: mean when Hmm. if you go over there just to play what do you uh, what do you like Hmm. (laughs) probably probably the air balloon. it's the biggest it's coolest
2: yeah okay alright okay you know, you've all talked a lot about um, how service provides you with sort of a peer group. Um, and I, I guess it's, uh, you know, I'm summarizing what you've all been saying, but but it sounds like that's part of your social life really is the mm-hmm. service yeah. that you do. Is
1: that right? Right.
2: You want to expand on yeah. that? Yeah.
1: I mean, definitely um, it's part of like uh, community service is part of my social life. But then again, my social life is part of community service. They kind of tie together. Um, and uh, I think – I mean, I don't know, like being a part of doing doing the community service, it really does. It brings everybody in your peer group together and it it just makes a really great atmosphere to do something that's good for the community, but also just do it together. I don't know. It's it's really hard to explain, but Mm -hmm. I just that's where I feel closest to my friends. It takes
5: less concentration off of, it takes concentration off of self and more about others, which I feel like yeah. in high school it is all about self. Like you yeah. fend for yourself. Uh-huh. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So this is kind of a selfless act and it helps us to grow together as peers.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, I want, I'm interested in the fact that we have a lot of different kinds of high schools represented. Rachel from <laughs> Lighthouse Christian, I mean, how many were in your graduating class?
5: Eleven. <laughs>
2: Eleven? Okay. Um, you know, what What do you think were the advantages of being in such a small school?
5: Well, we all know each other mm-hmm. and everyone's mom and everyone's dog. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, you just grow up with these people and you learn to care about them and you learn. And I know that other people say that you have to deal with different people at public school. But at private school, you really have to deal with different people because you only have them. And so if you don't necessarily mesh – well, you're gonna be together for a long time, so, mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah. you really you really get to know a different group of people, and they're, we're all different. It's like you take one percent of one group at every every like clique you have at a public school, and you have one of those at Lighthouse, just one. <laughs> so you all have to match.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Caleb and, and Keeler, I think Edgewood and Eastern. Edgewood's bigger than Eastern, but oh yeah, but, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I mean, it, you're not as big as North and South. So mm-hmm. what were some of the things that you liked about your school, Keeler?
1: Um, uh, I. would I really liked having a smaller school because uh, at, at a larger school, I mean, there are a lot of people to meet. There are a lot of different areas where you can fit in a lot of different niches. But at Eastern, I think we had like 87 kids in our graduating class, and I knew every single one of them, and I was able to clap and yell their name when they walked up and got their diploma. And I mean, it was, it was really cool, and there's – it's – when you're in a smaller school, um, like like you said earlier, I mean, when you're in a smaller school, you have to know everybody and you have to get along with everybody, mm-hmm. and but it's not a have to; it's more that you get to, and everybody does get along. And at Eastern, it's it's a lot, it's a lot, it's different from what you see on television because everybody is really really knows each other. Everybody gets along really well, and it's you kind of have to, but you get to. I don't know.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Was uh, Keeler and
2: and Rachel was there anything that you thought you might have missed by being in a smaller school? Is there anything that you
5: well, I know that the public schools have a lot of arts opportunities, so sometimes I was like, "Oh no, but I feel like high school high school productions are high school productions, so yeah, I was yeah. like, "Well, I'm in some, so it was and the ones we had were great, so I was really happy that I got to do it, and um, I knew I would get cast so
2: <laughs> <laughs> right uh- Caleb, the same question, you know, about, I mean, Eastern, how how are Edgewood, how many graduates?
6: Uh, just under 200, 193, I think. Uh-huh. So, um, so about twice, a little more than twice as big as Eastern. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing about Edgewood I really like is it's small enough to be a small school, per se, but uh, so you know everyone, the teachers know you, you can have like the, the teachers have a more personal connection with you. Um, but it's also big enough that we can compete in sports. Uh, we, yeah. can, uh, we can, We can... We can have bigger musical productions and our, our show choirs and our band – like our band was second in state this year. So it's, mm-hmm. it's cool that we uh, – we're big enough to compete in things but we're also small enough that teachers can connect to this and mm-hmm. know everyone.
2: Now our, our north and south representatives because your graduating <laughs> classes were considerably bigger. Um, what, what were the advantages and the disadvantages do you think of, of being in a large comprehensive high school?
3: Well – all the, all the small schools have just pointed out some really good things I hadn't thought about, but um, I, I had a great time at North. Um, our, I think our graduating class was around 376, so a little bit bigger than Edgewood and significantly bigger than our 11 over there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we, I, I loved it because, I mean, I, didn't, I did not know everybody who walked up on the graduation stage, but all, throughout all four years I was in high school, there was always a new opportunity to meet somebody new, to meet a group of people somebody new, and um, whether or not it's, uh, it was the amount of people we had there. There were so many opportunities and so many resources at North that um, you can, you you can make, you get what you put into it. So. Mm-hmm. the uh, The idea um, I guess Rachel mentioned clicks earlier, and the idea there i guess in a lot of ways, there are groups of people that hang out together at a at a public school or at a baker school and but the, there are things you can do to to still hang out with all the different groups or or mix the groups um, interesting, just a minute ago, you asked about what kind of social effect community service has, and community service is really cool because. A lot of groups, um, soccer, everybody has soccer in common, or band, everybody has band in common. But community service, almost every single person has the idea that uh, why do you help because you can, or it's it's rewarding to help. And so by by sticking with community service and some of your extracurricular activities, you really are able to reach out and get across those click barriers, I suppose.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay. okay.
4: I would echo what uh, Stephen said Um, Earlier in what he just said about um, you get what you put into it Um, because I found at South you know there are a lot of people and I feel like a lot of kids just kind of fall through the cracks. I mean I don't I don't know that for sure, but because I don't know because I wasn't wasn't one of them. Mm -hmm. So um, because I really found that where I invested my time, I really did connect with my teachers and I felt like I was at a small school because I did get that attention from um, individuals um, and that were around me and I had. I had quite a few teachers that really invested themselves and in. I was really impressed by that because I know it's not just me, uh-huh. you know. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so I guess being a part of a bigger school, yes, there's tons of people, but you still – I mean you still manage to um, – you're searching for things like that. You know, you're, um, you're looking for the opportunities to, to bond and to not just be a part of the crowd. Right. So.
2: All right. I want to ask one more question before we take our, our break, and that's about uh, role models. Uh, Caleb mentioned he likes to be a role model for younger people. Who uh, I want you to think about your teachers as role models. I mean what made – what makes a really, really good teacher in a high school setting mm-hmm. today?
1: Um, I'll go ahead and start. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a lot of really good teachers at Eastern. Um, one teacher who did stand out and probably has really influenced my decision to major in mathematics or major in something related to mathematics when I go off to college um, was Candice Kaywood. Um, she was my calculus teacher and she would come in, school started at 8 and it would end at 3 and she would come in at like 6.15 every morning and all these kids would come in who had her for a trig or for a calc or something and they would come in and they would. she would work with them and she would help them with their homework and... Um, show them how to do different things. And she made it possible for me to um, take higher level math classes, um, higher level calculus um, at Eastern, because since there aren't many kids, um, those higher level math classes don't have many students. And um, I was actually the only one in uh, my Calc BC class, and she would come in early and work with me from seven to eight in the morning. And I was able to get a credit in that. I was able to take that class. And I, I think a teacher who really goes above and beyond mm-hmm. um, time wise um, really makes that really makes um an excellent high school teacher mm-hmm. okay uh, stephen uh,
3: for me the all the teachers that come to mind that really had an impact on me was they they all had they were all able to really relate to their students and really demonstrate that there was there was a mutual respect between the teacher and the student. It's a, it was it was a mutual learning in school. It was kind of a mutual activity rather than a an authoritative and subject and subject activity. And so all all the teachers I can think about are teachers that uh, I would have conversations with outside of the material and people that I would work with in extracurricular things and most of all people who uh, were able to. Well, if, uh, honestly, I, I felt they honestly felt that if I had a question, they, it was their job and, and they, they were in a position where they could answer it. And if they didn't know the answer, then they would, they would come back to me the next day and say, hey, look, I looked, I looked up that information. I got, I got the answer for you and stuff like that. Okay. I hey. couldn't
4: say it any better than he just said. I mean, everything <laughs> he was saying, oh, so I agree with that too. Um, <laughs> bad. Because we're going to have to
2: start at the other end. Right? <laughs> exactly.
4: No, but – well, no, I'm sorry. No, no, like, go uh, ahead. No, no. Um, because that's exactly, I mean, you're describing my best teachers at South, too. Um, the kind that I can tell care about you as people and I, the, the kind that respect us as students. Even, you know, we're so young and we're so inexperienced, but they respect the ideas that we do have and the opinions that we do have, however, you know, however unbased they may be, you know. And um, I just, um, I really respect um the teachers that I did have for that because I think it takes um a very strong person to um t- to work with high school students who are so <laughs> <Absolutely>. young and,
2: <laughs> and so um, yeah okay uh,
5: i've had a lot of great uh high school teachers or just teachers in general at lighthouse um but the ones that stand out to me all no matter what subject they were teaching, they were very clear to the student, like, what was going on and who's responsible for what. Like, they're clear, and I love that. I like being very clear about what's happening. And I like um, they were good communicators. They weren't just specialized in their field. They were good communicators. So even if I had a history teacher who had to teach math or she – I love this teacher. <laughs> she, um, she could teach math really well because, well, she knows it, but also she's a great communicator. So that really helps the student. If they can just talk to you, you can get it. Like, So it's okay. really about communication and being very clear.
6: <laughs> all right. Caleb? Uh, I mean, I couldn't agree with all all four of these guys. But um, for me, one thing that really stood out for me was uh, my AP physics teacher, uh, Matthew Hitchings. He, we didn't use our book in that class that we were assigned. And – it's it's like learning for the sake of learning. It's not learning to pass the tests. It's not learning to uh, just meet all the state requirements. It's learning to learn the material and become more educated about a certain field and become more ready to take on the next level. And that was really cool for me because, and he's the smartest guy I've ever met in my life, and you really, you really understood that he knew his stuff and he was trying to get you to understand it the same way. And it was, using the book was like, a, like a secondary source that uh, he didn't feel was necessary because it was coming from him instead of other people who were saying it. So.
2: Mm-hmm. All right. We're going to take a break. Uh, when we come back, I think we're going to talk a little bit about you know, some of the problems that the world is facing. We're going to you know, go to a little different type of conversation. Uh, we're going to start at the other end too. So we get <laughs> to, they, get to, they get to talk first. Um, again, we're talking with uh, students who have just graduated from high school from North, South, Edgewood, Lighthouse Christian and Eastern. You're listening to Noon Edition. We'll be right back.
7: You're listening to Noon Edition on member-supported WFIU. Production support comes from Smithville Telephone Information at smithville.net and from Mother Bear's Pizza at motherbearspizza.com. You can take WFIU programs with you by downloading our podcasts. Podcasting is a convenient and easy way to download audio files directly to your computer, iPod, or portable player. You can download podcasts of full-length programs like Noon Edition, Ask the Mayor, and Harmonia, if you miss one, that's okay. They're archived on our website, wfiu.org, and the best features from each week can be heard Saturday mornings at 745.
2: Welcome back to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg from the Herald-Times, and I'm talking today with Stephen Zerfus from Bloomington High School North, Caitlin Adams from Bloomington High School South, uh, formerly... I should say, graduates of Caleb Goss, uh, recent graduate of Edgewood, Rachel Faulkner from Lighthouse Christian, and Keeler Gilbert from Eastern Green. If you have questions or uh, comments for these bright young people, you can call us, or for me, by the way, you can call us at 855-0811 or 1-877-285-9348, and the website is wfiu.org slash edition. Um, I was struck by something Katie said in the first half of the show about with service, you know, you don't have to solve the biggest problems in the world. You you can just approach smaller things and serve in a lot of different ways. So, you know, this might be a tough topic for me to introduce, but, you know, there are a lot of things going on in the world today that, you know, the wars, two wars, Afghanistan and and Iraq, I would imagine some of your classmates have decided to join the service Mm -hmm. instead of going away to school. Um, you know, you've got the situations going on in the Gulf of Mexico with the oil rig, and the oil is fouling the Gulf of Mexico. Um, you've got health care issues that you you know you, you don't probably have to worry about that much because you're all very healthy. But a lot of but your parents probably are trying to figure out how to pay health bills, and of course jobs in the economy. I mean, some of the, some of your classmates who are going to be not going to to the army or the military, not going away to college, have to figure out how to how to make the you know pay the bills. So, I mean, when you think about those bigger issues, I mean, which which ones of those, um, you know, do you spend any time thinking about or do you? I mean, is it just something that that you think, well,
6: I'll I'll get to that later? Who wants to start? Caleb? I mean, as bad as all those issues may sound like um, on the surface, you know, the oil spill is obviously terrible and everything. But um, I think if you take like a positive outlook on it and say, going off to college, this is something that I can... Find a solution to um and not, not obviously not the whole thing, but you can you can use that as a motivation to do your part and find some way that you can contribute to that and um instead of just accepting that it's a bad thing obviously um just try to find a way to help out and do your part and I think that's the that's the main uh issue with like all these uh global issues is to look at find the positive side of it and find a way that just you individually can do your part. Don't let them paralyze you by thinking they're just too big. Right. 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 Okay. Yeah.
2: Rachel?
5: Um as for current events goes, I feel like I have a lack of knowledge, but
8: <laughs> <laughs>
5: <laughs> but I try to keep up. Um <laughs> uh the wars, I don't know much about, but the economy is definitely something that hits all of us in this specific time right now. Going yeah. to college, mm-hmm. we're all wondering, okay, how is this gonna pan out? I mean, um, so that's, I mean, it's kind of a selfish one, but yeah. <laughs> that one's definitely first and foremost in my mind that I'm thinking about. I'm Like, how what can we do to help the economy? Is there a way to help it? And though I'm not an economics major by any means, um, I I think that going to college and being well educated and and keeping pursuing my education i'll be able to find ways to help out just like caleb said um have a positive light on this and just do your best to contribute okay. however you can
4: all right katie
5: yeah i mean it's an intimidating thing to think about like going it makes you just want
4: to keep going to school because then you don't have to actually get out there and get into the job market um but at the same time you know school is really expensive so can't really do that forever either um but um I think, it, I think it does make you want to shut down. It makes you just want to be like, well, there's nothing we can do, so I guess we'll just have to live with it. But, I mean, you both are very optimistic, so I guess I should be, too. <laughs> um, because, I mean, that's all we can do. We're young, so we should be ignorant enough to think that we can change things. So.
3: <laughs> <laughs> all right. Okay. <laughs> Steven? Well, I think all three of them are, I have hinted at something that I was going to say, that current, um, not, uh, not current events, but the... The problems that we find on the global scale, that we hear about in the media all day, every day, all together, and even the big problems like the oil spill individually or the economy, these problems are so huge, they often come across really overwhelming. And uh, I, I feel that I, for one, and a lot of my peers, uh, they kind of push them off to the side. They're overwhelming. These these problems are too much to handle. I can't do anything, so I'm not going to address it. And but something that I've uh, I mentioned in the first half of the show that I've kind of uh, I've been changing throughout, especially through my high school career. Um, I've I've found that. On a, on a global scale, these problems are all overwhelming, but on a much smaller scale, on the local level, on the community level, they, there are things that can be done. There are little things that can be done. and those. Uh, so that's why I find my optimism, is that you, you do what you can, and you, you really take it one day at a time. You scale everything down to what you can do, and then that's how you play your part. That's how you put your part down. And so uh, specifically what I'm, what I'm referring to, I suppose, is, is the issue of poverty because that's just, I mean, it's poverty with a capital P. What are you going to do? <laughs> and, uh, but if you do a little bit here and there and you help around the community, that's a start.
2: Mm-hmm. That's your habitat experience. Yeah, right? uh-huh, mm-hmm.
3: absolutely. Mm-hmm.
1: All right. Yeah, I couldn't agree with Stephen more. I mean, you got to – these are huge problems. But, and I mean, what, what Katie said earlier, I mean, just do what you can – you don't have to do something huge. You can do something small. And then eventually those small acts of kindness or small acts of um, contribution to the community are going to build up and surface into something big that you can resolve. And although I can't think of any small acts you can do to resolve the the Gulf oil spill. But, um, I mean, you you got to do your part just a little bit every now and then. And it's not it's not difficult. I mean, you, you don't have to go out of your way to do some of these things. Mm-hmm. But... Um, yeah, I, I, you look into, you look in the media and you see this, this huge oil spill, and really, I mean, like Rachel said earlier, I don't have, I don't have a lot of knowledge about these current, current world events. But well, well, I, you know, maybe it'll make you
2: feel a little better. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm kind of an older guy, and it's, it's daunting. I mean, it's hard for anybody of any age to really get your arms wrapped around these issues they're just I just uh, you know I I appreciate your answers because they really do show uh, a sense of you know from optimism to at least from great optimism to at least a little bit of optimism (laughs) (laughs) all right we have a couple phone calls a couple people want to talk to you so Kelly's first Kelly is Kelly on there hi Hi, Kelly yes I am first of all I
8: just want to congratulate all the students your families and teachers should be extremely proud. You're, you're very well versed in, in world affairs, and um, you're, you're probably doing everyone much, much pride by, by your accomplishments. So congratulations. Thank, <laughs>
3: thank you. Thank you. Um,
8: the question I have is, you're all pretty accomplished students, and, you know, in Indiana, we have this issue of brain drain, and I just, I hope That you guys want to continue to to go out and get your education and get some experience, but I hope that you want to come back to Indiana and apply all those incredible things you've learned back here in the state. I guess my question for you is: as a member of the current workforce in her, we'll say, (laughs) thirty-somethings, what can I be doing? What can I be doing to help better prepare an environment that that young professionals? professionals want to come to indiana and stay in indiana and um encourage impressive folks like you we lose so many to chicago and east coast and west coast so we we want to keep you home what what can we do to to keep you here katie um well i don't know what
4: you can do personally i know that um i think there is some appeal to um living in a place like indiana i know personally i want to come back to bloomington um and I, i mean that's what i feel like right now but um and maybe it's just Bloomington, and maybe it, the rest of Indiana has issues. But, um, but I really love Bloomington, and I want to come back. So um, I don't. I, I really. I can't tell you what you should do personally to um, help us want to come back. But I know that that there is at least some appeal to some of us um, to stay here.
2: Have, so, have you have you, you all heard that term brain drain? I mean, is that? Yeah. that I mean, yeah. that's, you know, it's a, yeah. Some some have, some haven't. But it's you know basically that a lot of bright people who go away, um, find better opportunities, <clears throat> excuse me, outside of Indiana. And so the, uh, you know, that intellect, that intelligence gets taken from Indiana and, and is uh, sent someplace else. Yeah. So that's what it
3: is. I think that's a really good question, Kelly. Um, just from, again, I'm kind of in the spot where I can't come up with any immediate ideas, but uh, just I think the acknowledging that kind of the issue in the first place is a start and seeing, seeing what you can do. I, for one, uh, I don't know where where my life's going to take me, but I'm in the same boat as Katie that I have no problem with staying in Indiana. I'm actually incredibly fortunate right now. I got uh, one of the programs that was um, that came about to address the brain drain. It's called the Lily Scholar Program, and uh, that program is going to pay my tuition at Notre Dame. So, I uh, Indiana is sounds like a great place to be for me. <laughs> pay my tuition, that's for sure.
6: Right. Okay. Any
2: other thoughts on that, Caleb?
6: I mean. Um, I think as a suggestion, it's kind of like the college search for me. Um, pursuing individuals and letting them know that they want you. Obviously, I mean that's kind of like the job market in, in a sh- nutshell. But um, for me, I just I want to know that if, wherever I go, I'm going to be wanted there. And obviously, you want me to come there. And so I mean, I don't know if that's calling or emailing, however, however it's easiest for you. And I know that you're obviously not huh, you're pretty busy in your these days. But um, just making me feel like I'm wanted and needed in your area. So the opportunities
2: easy. have to be there, right? I mean, you have yeah, to have opportunity, whatever you choose to do. I mean, if you're in musical theater, there have to be opportunities <laughs> in Indiana as opposed to New York or Absolutely. Los Angeles, or you're going to live in New York and Los Angeles.
5: Yeah, right. the immediate draw is go to a coast, like <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> get out, do do your thing. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm not leaving Indiana for college because I wanted to. I applied to IU, and I applied to, you know, m- local places in the Midwest and all over, but that's just where I felt like I should be. Uh, being in the community, though, Bloomington, Indiana is a great place. Yeah. I feel like we haven't been hit as hard as other places. It's, it's a great place to be, so you've got that pulling for you.
1: <laughs> yeah. And everybody's talking, you guys are all talking about opportunities, and that's definitely a huge motivation Um, to stay in indiana but in addition to motivate or in addition to um to the opportunities and uh, the job opportunities here you i really am looking for like a place where i feel really comfortable where i want to live where i want to grow up where i want to stay and i really like it out here in indiana um i really like the rural aspect of indiana Mm -hmm. because it's beautiful out here Mm -hmm. and although at this point i am kind of sick of High school and the whole life here as living with my parents, living under them. Um, I'm ready to move out and go to college outside of Indiana, see what else is out there. And so then I can really understand and really appreciate Indiana for how great it is. Mm -hmm. So I probably I can see myself coming back. I'm not sure what my Mm -hmm. future holds. Right. Definitely. Right. Okay, Kelly. Thanks a lot.
8: Thank you. Good luck, everyone. All right.
2: Thanks a lot. for Uh, We have another call and this comes from Lisa. Lisa.
0: Hi, uh, Thank you for taking my call, and I want to echo the first caller's comments to uh, congratulate everyone um, nice. i I have some connections with at least some of you. I grew up in Bloomington, graduated from North, and I hold uh, degrees okay. from DePauw and yale so here <laughs> <laughs> wow. The question I keep wondering is, as i as I listen to you i'm actually back in the area. Um, I did not stay in the area, but i I'm back in um, in Greencastle for my reunion weekend at DePauw, and also (laughs) my son, who is a student at DePauw, and working there this summer. So what I'd like to know is, what do you hear from your parents about what Bloomington was like, and how has Bloomington changed and evolved from what you can see? Or is it a place that's pretty much, you know, a, a little town that time forgot, that's pretty much stayed the same?
1: Um well I know that uh, This is Keeler. Yeah hey, yeah. hey guys. <laughs> um, I know uh my parents moved to um they didn't move to Bloomington they moved right outside of Bloomington but we wanted to be near Bloomington um yeah. because it is it's such a great town and my dad calls it the gem of the Midwest. I mean it it's in the middle of I mean all there's a very um a very uh common um approach to Politics and everything um, throughout Indiana, and then there's Bloomington, and it's right smack dab in the middle, and it's so different, and it gives all these different, um, all these different ideas, all new ideas that contrast with um, the rest of Indiana, and I, I'm really glad I was able to grow up next to Bloomington. It's, it's really been amazing. Now, has
0: anyone else ever heard Bloomington called an oasis?
1: Yes, yes.
2: <laughs>
1: <The> great- <laughs> <laughs> Lisa, where do you live now?
0: Um, I uh, live in Venice, Florida, and then I spend. Uh, Times up in western Massachusetts. Okay. And I worked for years in New York.
2: Okay. At, All right. At a, at a
0: point where so
2: I so you, you want some endorsements about moving back to Bloomington? Is that what you're uh, speaking?
0: <laughs> you know, I, I guess I'm just, I'm just curious. And it, and it did strike me. You know, I graduated from high school in 1977. And I don't recall um, people saying, yes, I want to come back to Bloomington or I want to stay in Bloomington. Yeah. so I'm just I'm just well, interested to hear you know so many of you endorsing Bloomington and in Indiana because uh, I guess I I'm and I'm an example you know we couldn't wait
5: to get out mm-hmm. all right Rachel it seems like a great place to raise a family which is what we're all eventually like after you pursue your own goals then you're like what are the goals for my next generation mm-hmm. so it, it it has great opportunities and it has uh, seasons, and <laughs> unlike Texas, <laughs> and it's just there's so many things you can do here. Yeah, it's not partial to anything, I don't think. Well, besides basketball, <laughs>
2: right, right. Well, I think uh, at the root of uh, Lisa's question, I think it's been sort of a uh, I don't know. It's, it's been a st- stereotypical fact that young people don't really want to... You grow up in a community and it's like, okay, I'm done with that. i got to go someplace else. I mean, I've, a lot of people who live in Bloomington today did not grow up here. There's no question. They came here, they got a new experience and they stayed or they came here for another reason. So I think if I am being fair to your question, I think that's sort of at the root of it. Um, Katie, you're sort of nodding your head. What do you, what, what do you think about this whole issue?
4: Well, um... I when I when Lisa first asked her a question, I was feeling like I couldn't answer it because my parents aren't from Bloomington, and um, we, they moved here for a job opportunity right before I was born. So I'm the only one in my family that's been born here, and but I, so I don't really understand why I'm the one that's in love with it. I mean, I guess the hometown <laughs> thing, but um, but I've just I've never felt that itch to get out and I, I don't even really feel it now because I, I, feel, I feel much younger than my peers because I, I, I've because I never really clashed all that much with my parents so I don't even have the get out of home kind of itch really yet and I'm hoping that that develops in mid-August but um <laughs> but um but likewise it's never developed with Bloomington um, I'm glad to go out and see other places but Greencastle is was <laughs> really just rural Indiana like Keeler yeah. was talking earlier so um Maybe it'll give me the opportunity to see the world and travel abroad or something. But other than that, uh, hopefully, I don't know. I just want to come back. Um,
5: This is Rachel. Uh, I feel like Bloomington is a small town with big town benefits (laughs) because of the college. So you like the small town effect, but then you have all the opportunities of the big town. So uh, that's a big draw for us to come back, Mm -hmm. I think. What other town has that?
2: (laughs) Okay, Lisa, any uh, follow-up?
5: I think maybe, um, you know, maybe Bloomington – has
0: evolved some since, I don't know if it was my generation or it was my town, but um, I only have a couple of people I know from high school who are in Bloomington, you know, most of us scattered, so it's really interesting, I think.
3: I think, I, well, this is Stephen. Um, I think you might be. I think you might be right on that in the, the sense that Bloomington's changed in the last uh, in the last couple of decades. I I mean, I've I only moved here when I was ten, so I've only been here for about seven years, not even a decade. And uh, but just recently, I was actually at a, I was listening to a speaker who had moved to Bloomington in the '60s, and she was explaining how she had seen Bloomington change over time. When she got here, uh, she was talking about how there weren't any sidewalks in front of her house. And uh, she explained how the university expanded and how um, it went from a 10,000-student university to a 20,000, then a 30,000, then a 40,000. And the the influence of the university has really become a huge part of Bloomington. And But on top of that, it's, it's interesting, especially uh, – in, in the summer, how Bloomington still maintains its own identity. It's got, it's got the university, and the university has become so much bigger. And it's got, um, that, I think that's where uh, Keeler's point, where a lot of ideas come from, from, come from the university, a lot of ideas unique to southern Indiana. But then at the same time, Bloomington's got uh, that small town feel that Rachel mentioned. Uh, there's when when the students leave, we're down to about a sixty thousand population, and we but we still have our we still have our putt putt, and we still have our Buffalo <laughs> and we still have our, our Kirkwood, and that uh, this the kind of mix. It's it's really interesting. This mix, of... I've, again, I'm only 18, so I've only lived in really two spots, and I've only traveled here and there. But it's it's really cool how Bloomington is such a mix now. And I'm not I – don't, I don't know what it was like back in 77, uh, but I'm not sure if that mix was still there. Yeah. Hey, uh, I can actually weigh
2: in because I moved here in 1976, and you graduated yeah. in 1977. And I'll tell you that it's changed a lot, but it's been a, a, an evolution as opposed to any kind of um, revolution. I mean, it really has just uh, continued to – to uh, grow into a, a more and more, in my opinion, a more and more accepting community and a more, um, a more diverse community, and it's it's larger. There's no doubt, um, but uh, there's a lot that's been going on here. So, anyway, I'll help answer that question.
0: <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate all the input. You've really made me. Curious
3: about Bloomington again. <laughs> all right, I <laughs> can right. check out Kirkwood sometime. That's right. <laughs> all
2: right. Thanks a lot for the call. Uh, Stephen, you were listening to Charlotte Zitlow speak at Rotary that day. I, I, yeah, that's I was. When, that, that's where all those things came, all that for historic sure. look. <laughs> Absolutely. I remember that. All right. We have about three minutes to go, and I, I really want to give you all a sort of a, a chance to to talk about you know, you, you're as I said before. You're not representing. I mean, you, you don't have to represent your generation. But from what you know of being 18 now, I mean, what what are what are the things that you know you're you're most excited about as you embark um, on you know the next phase of your life? Um, and are there things that you're worried about, Caleb? We're going
6: to start with you. Sounds good. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, for me, I mean. I get along great with my parents, but it's, it's going to be on my, getting on my, or living on my own. And um, it's going to be ordering a pizza without having to have permission. And <laughs> um, it's also just – I'm going to go to college and learn what I want to learn now. I'm going to specialize in what I want to do in the future. And you never – i at least I – have the, uh, I like to think that I'm not going to be sitting in class and thinking why am I learning this, you know? In high school sometimes you get that feeling that you're in classes that you're forced to take to get your certain diploma and you don't feel necessarily that it's helping I mean obviously you you need to learn it but it's not helping you for what you want to do in the future and college I think it has that uh, as as I mentioned uh, earlier you're learning for the sake of learning and you're learning to better yourself for what you want to do in the future and I think that the whole idea of just Doing something that you actually can see tangibly in the future is going to help you is what most excites me. Okay. Very very quickly, Rach.
5: I'm kind of excited. Most people probably wouldn't be excited about this. But I'm excited to realize how much I don't know. (laughs) Realize Mm -hmm. that um, you're in high school and you really aren't the big dog. And you Mm -hmm. don't know how this is working. So I'm excited to realize that and have that revelation and then say, okay, bring it on. Mm -hmm. That's a really big question, uh-huh. and
4: I don't have an answer for you. Okay. I just, I'm just going to kind of go with it. That's okay. kind of my general approach to life. So,
3: <laughs> Excellent. All right. Stephen. My biggest excitement is uh, throughout the whole high school thing and, and even back in middle school, I really felt the last several years I've been trying to figure out who I am, and I'm really excited to see who I am. Mm-hmm. I think that's going to happen in the next couple of years, and I'm looking forward to that. And my biggest fear is that just the other day it hit me, I've got about – Two months left with my family before mm-hmm. I'm out, and it's. I uh, love my family, and I want to. want to live on my own, but it, it is gonna. I'm gonna miss them. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and the summers, and the summers during my sophomore, junior year, I'm not sure I'm gonna come back. It might be an internship, so we'll see how that works All out. All right, Keeler, we got 15 seconds.
1: All right. Um uh, I don't know what to say. <laughs> okay. I'm to to um, in high school, I mean, you learn a whole bunch of memorization stuff. And I'm ready to go to college and I'm ready to learn about why I learned all the stuff I had to memorize. Okay. I'm ready to figure out what I want to do with it. So I'm excited. All right. <laughs> all right. You guys are
2: fantastic. I appreciate your being here with Steven Zerfus, Caitlin Adams, Caleb Goss, Rachel Faulkner, and Keeler Gilbert. For um, producer Ariana Prothero, engineer Mike Pashkash, I'm Bob Zaltzberg. Thanks for listening.